everyone. We hope you're having a great start to your new year. We wanted to bring you this rebroadcast of an episode we aired earlier in the year about starting your year off right with Google Forms. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back soon with new content. Bye. Hey, Kendra. What are you thinking about this week? Hey, Lacey. I'm still thinking about summer. What are you thinking about? I think noodle soup. Everybody. Welcome to episode five of Two Tech Coaches and a Microphone. Today we're going to talk about um, Google Forms, which is great, right? This is what we're talking about, right? We are. Okay, because yeah. you're looking at me like I was wrong. No. <laughs> okay, so this is a timely episode. Um, we think that Google Forms are awesome and they're especially awesome for collecting data. And what's one thing that teachers do at the beginning of the year? They collect a ton of data on their students and yeah. their families. Yeah, absolutely. Because you got to get to know those little people who are going to be in your classroom. Find out about them. So so what is a Google Form, Lacey? All right. That's a good question. A Google Form is, jeez, uh, um, it's a product made by Google. And you can ask questions like surveys and polls and just straight out ask people questions questions, short answer questions, multiple choice questions, and you can collect information using a Google form. All right. And, oh, well, all right. So it also, it looks like a link. It looks like a URL usually when I get it. If I were to send you a Google form, I would just be sending you a link and you would click on it and then you would answer my questions. That's true. And then the nice thing is after you answer the questions, I get a Google sheet and it takes all of the data from all the people that answered my question and it organizes it for me. Wait, I wouldn't have to retype all that junk? No. What? That's, that's the benefit. Or one of the benefits, right? Okay. So um, did you, Kendra, as a teacher, did you ever send home a form asking the parents of all your students, like, what's your name and what's your address and what's your email address and what's your phone number? Woof, you know I did. I think every teacher did that. And it was so rough because I taught high school and so I'd have like 160 of those stupid papers. Yeah. And I know that you probably retyped everything into a spreadsheet, but I was way too lazy. So I used to just keep them in my desk drawer. Right. Which meant I hardly ever used them. Right. Well, okay. So not only did you send out those papers, but I sent out those papers and we were at different schools, so it didn't matter. But I was a history teacher and the English teacher on my team would send out that paper and the math teacher would and everybody was trying to collect all this information. And like Kendra mentioned, once it all came back, we would sit down on the computers and we would try and read the bad handwriting and we would type in the email addresses so that we would have this spreadsheet database of what are the kids' names and what are their parents' names and what are their email addresses. So when we needed to email them, then we would have this handy list, right? It was so handy because I type them out well that's true <laughs> letter and, by letter and that's something you could even share with colleagues so if you are I know you taught middle school and there's a lot more overlap with students in middle schools on teams so you know one person could be the designated form sender outer and then all of the people on the team could benefit from that information and I'm sure the parents would like that too because then they're not having to you know type the same stuff or write the same things over and over again for all their kids classes absolutely and because it's just a link you can um, do it on your phone. Like I could send you the link on your phone and you could just be sitting there waiting for your dentist appointment telling me your email address. That's true. And I think another really cool thing about that is that you could just make that a QR code or a short URL 
that you could have in your classroom so that when you get new kids throughout the year, which is the bane of all teachers' existence, you could have that link there and the kid could, you know, send it to their parents or text it to their parents. And that way you don't have to sort of dig around and try and find some blank paper in January when you're not even remotely thinking about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, not only do teachers try and get that basic information from kids at the beginning of the year, but they also are interested in other things like, um, interest inventories. What kind of kids do you have? Are they interested in sports? Do they like to read? Are they into animals? Do they have extracurricular activities? Are they part of the band? Do they have peanut allergies? You know, like there's all kinds of things that you're going to want to know that every teacher wants to know. And it just becomes a pain to print the papers and send the papers home and try and get the papers back and then to type the answers in. And I guess the reason why I keep saying type the answers in is because you can't really look at a set of data on 150 different sheets of paper and come to any conclusions about it. Darn if I know that because I used to try. Right. I certainly never retyped all that stuff. Right. But if you have it in a spreadsheet, you can just... um what do you call it? A filter. Filter. Thank you. You can sort. You, you can filter search. and sort the sheet by who's got allergies or by who's in the band. So you know who's going on the Carowinds field trip or whatever it is. And Lacey, I would have loved to have this when I was teaching. I think the things that you're bringing up are great. My favorite question was always to ask parents was, what's one thing you that I don't know about your kid? And they used to tell me all sorts of great stuff. But stuff I, by October, I wouldn't even remember anymore. Right. But if I had that on a spreadsheet, you know, it would be a lot easier for me to search for things and check stuff out. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I loathe taking home a stack of papers and reading through them. Ooh. But I loathe less is just looking at a spreadsheet for a few minutes. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I could do that. That would be easy. That's fine. I can discover some interesting data, some interesting information about my kids by just taking a look at it, the form. Whereas, I don't know, looking through a stack of papers, trying to memorize facts about kids, it just is unappealing to me. And yes. I don't think anybody should have to do that. Unless they really want to. Unless they really want to. And I think it's also good if you're going back to your peanut allergy example, you can easily, you know, command F your spreadsheet for peanut and you'll see it quickly how many kids have peanut allergies or how many kids don't like to do homework or you know whatever sort of information you're soliciting from your kids it's really easy to see that stuff and you could even take all that those words and put them into a word cloud yeah and then see it that way so one of the things that we're going to have on the two tech coaches website is some sample forms like an interest inventory and a beginning and so with those forms Lacey it will make it so that you can make copies of them so if you see one of the forms that we made that you want to use at the start of the year all you have to do is make a copy of it and adjust make little adjustments to it and you're ready to go with your students absolutely that's awesome that'd be really helpful Duh. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, let's go live now. Um, Kendra, if you haven't already, can you open up your computer and go to Google Drive? Because we're going to walk our listeners through how to create and share just a basic form. There's going to be no frills, no um, spicy, super fun stuff. We're just going to talk about how do you do the basics. Of course, on our website, we'll have more resources for you. But for anybody's listening who just wants a little hand-holding for how, how you might get started, this is for you. So what All I right. want you to do, once you get a Google Drive in the top left-hand corner, click on that button that says New, and then More, and then Google Forms. Done. All right. So Google Forms, if you're, you know, if your computer's turning on still or 
you weren't aware that we were going to go live. It's purple. What does it look like? Like a checklist? Purple yeah. checklist yeah, kind of icon? All right. When you open it up, it says untitled form. And we're going to click either. I mean, it says untitled form twice. So we're going to click on either of those and give your form a title. And let's just call this one practice. So what you'll notice is that by changing either of those untitled forms, it changes in both places. And now if you look back in your Google Drive, it also says practice in your Google Drive. And we have uh, an untitled question. And what I want everybody to do is just put in a question right there. So to save your brain from having to work too hard, let's say, what's your favorite type of cereal? I'm not actually going to do it. I'm just going to let you guys do it. So here's my fake clicking. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now, we're asking people what's their favorite type of cereal, and I think it's probably going to be a multiple choice question by default, but do you see where it says multiple choice on the right-hand side? It's a little drop-down in gray. Yeah, you can click over there, and you can change your multiple choice question to a short answer or to a paragraph or to a scale, like rank on a scale of one to five how much you like or dislike Rice Krispie Treats. I mean, there's all kinds of different questions you could ask. So uh, take a look at that. Play around with those. One thing I want to point out to everybody is there's a, I don't know, what is that? There's a word on the bottom of it. It says required, and it's got a slider by it. If everybody will just slide over that slider real quick. Whoa, that was magic. Thanks for sliding over that slider, Kendra. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, So Lacey's talking about if you click out of the dropdown with the different question types, then you'll see the required thing down at the bottom if you still have that open. Yeah. Okay. So once you do that, what you're doing is you're telling the, I don't know, form answerers, you're saying, hey guys, this question is super important. You cannot submit this form until you answer that question. So some great examples of when you might want to do that would be like, what's your name? Because you don't want to collect a whole bunch of information about kids or people or whatever and not ask them who they are. So there are times where you definitely want to make sure a question is required. But there are some other times where it doesn't matter if they answer the question or not. And that is how you change that right there. And so we're going to get to later on the point that you can make it so that it will automatically collect some data about your kids. Um, if you're in a, like a G Suite EDU county like we are. But in a lot of cases, that will collect things like student ID numbers or email addresses that aren't necessarily logical. So even if you have your form set to like automatically collect their e- email address, unless you're a rain man, you're probably not able to memorize each kid's email address. So you, one of the things you always want to do is have a name place on here just, just for your own benefit. That's true. Because remember, you can sort out your answers later or filter out. Fil- you can filter out your answers later. So filtering them by name would be easy, important. Yeah. All kinds of things. Okay. So we've got one sample question in there. If you did this as a multiple choice question, you'll see that you have option one. If you'll just type some things in there and then press the enter button or just move your mouse down to where it says add option, you can see that you can add a bunch of options. I'm sure it cuts you off at some point, but you don't have to stick with four, like no, the traditional multiple choice. So many. And if you are in one of those options, if you look over toward the right a little bit, you'll notice that you can also add images. So if you are um, a teacher that teaches non-readers or if you want to do something more visual, there's definitely support built in for this. So you could put videos, you could do images. So 
just because your kids are non-readers doesn't mean you can't use this. Oh, yeah. So we can be asking the same question. What is your favorite breakfast cereal? And we can have images of all the cereals. And then your ESOL kids or your uh, five-year-olds, anybody could answer this question now, right? Absolutely. As long as you have fingers. As long as you can click a mouse. (laughs) Or you have support to click a mouse. That's right. Some people... Some people have that. Okay. Um, All right. We've got one question in. It's multiple choice. We have lots of options. On the right-hand side, you'll see a vertical menu. And at the top of it, it's got a plus sign. So if you'll just click on the plus there, what you're doing is you're adding questions. And you can just click on that plus sign over and over and over and add as many questions as you want. And you'll see that also there's a little trash can on your questions. So if you don't like a question, you can click the trash can and you can delete it. That's how you add and subtract questions. So one other thing you can think about is when you make a question, if you know you are going to make a couple of other questions that are similar or you just need to change a couple of words about it, if you look below where your question is, there is a rectangle with a little rectangle to the upper left of it. That's the duplicate question. So you don't have to retype the same thing over and over again. You could just duplicate the question and make little adjustments. Yeah, so an example of when that might be useful is if you're going to ask for your parent or guardian address, but the kid lives with his mom on the weekends and his dad during the week, then you can just duplicate the question and you can say, what's your mom's address and what's your dad's address or whatever, you know, whatever that is. So so there you go. There's an example. That's great. Right. Okay. All right. We're almost done, everybody. We've got a few questions in here. I want to talk about the settings. At the very top of your Google form, you'll see a gear, and I want everybody to go ahead and click on the gear. It's your settings. This is how you can um, choose to collect email addresses. Now, when you do this in in a school district, sometimes it'll automatically give you the email address like we were talking about earlier, Um, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just creates a question on your Google form that says, hey, what's your email address? And they have to answer that question to collect it. But if you're... Doing this to collect information from parents, don't don't click that box because oftentimes that forces people to log in as a certain with a certain account, and your parents probably won't have that. So you want to leave that blank, but just build in a question that says, "What's your email address?" Yeah, I think I think that's what I do every time. Is I don't click here; I just ask them, "Right, what's your email address?" and yeah. then make it required. Okay, so also on this first page down here or tab within the settings, you can see that the respondents can edit after submit, which for something like what we're talking about, I would totally do. I would say, yeah, you entered your address wrong or you spelled your name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> or ahead. maybe a parent filled it out for the wrong student. Maybe they have three or four kids. and Yeah, you, know, you can go ahead and edit that, right? That's right. Okay, we can, what we can also do, if you click in the middle tab, it says general presentation and quizzes. If you click there in presentation, you can um, add a confirmation message. And this would be something helpful. Like if you're sending out a Google form to parents asking who can send in what kind of snacks for Friday snack day, then you might want to say at the very end, thank you guys so much for volunteering to send in snacks. We are hungry, right? You might want to say something like that. If you don't change this, it'll just say your response has been recorded. And that's, I guess, professional and nice and all, but you can really personalize it right there. Even just saying thank you is probably a nice thing to say. Yeah. Um, We're not going to talk about the quizzes tab in this podcast because we're keeping it real short, but you can definitely check on our website for some resources about that. And you can also Google it would be another thing to do. You sure can. But let's talk about two more things, just the basics of Google Forms. The next thing I want to do is show you how do you get this Google Form to a person. 
So if you close out of that settings menu, you'll see in the top right hand corner of your Google form, it says send. If everybody would just click right there. Um, I am just going to show you one way and it's, I think it's the easiest way. So Kindred will edit this out if it's not, but uh, I see like a little paperclip image and it's light gray, whereas everything else is dark gray. So I don't know, you might have to look around. It's like toward the top in the middle. And if you click there, it'll give you a link. And below the link, it says shorten URL. So if you click on that box, it will take your URL to this specific form and it'll shorten it a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. You can copy this URL and you can put this in an email to your parents or you can put it on your website or on your Google Classroom page. Or if you had to, you could print it out a bunch of times and cut it into strips and send it home with your kids. Which might be a necessity for a lot of parents. Right. So this is how you would get your form to people. I think that that's a great way of doing it. I really like how it has the shortened URL aspect in here. Absolutely. I think that's okay. That's a good way of doing it. So the last step to these is figuring out, all right, I made my questions. I sent my form. Uh, well, how do I see the answers? So if you will close that box and then we're back at our Google form homepage, I guess we have two tabs at the top and one says questions and the other says responses. If you would just click on the word responses, you probably won't see anything there because you probably haven't sent the form to anybody. But um, let's see. As you start getting responses, so if you send this out to your parents, you'll start getting responses. And where it says zero responses there, that number will start to tick up. So you can see what they did in this view here. But if you look over on the right, you'll see a little green box that says create spreadsheet. Take a second, click that, and it'll bring up a little pop-up. You can change the name, but I never do. I just leave it. And then you're gonna click the link that's blue. It says create. Once you do that, it'll open up a spreadsheet and this will list all of the questions along the top that you've written. And then as each person completes your form, it'll put their responses in a different row. It automatically does a timestamp, which is re really nice so that you know exactly when each response happened. Yeah, that is helpful, especially if you're going to use it as a quiz. Absolutely. Which we didn't talk about, but that would be helpful. Absolutely. All right. So let's round this out. Um, other options for using forms. So we've talked about data collection, how you can send forms to parents. You can ask students to complete these forms. But something you might do in class is um, use a form as an exit ticket. So you might just create a simple three question form that says uh, rate on a scale of one to five, how much you learned today. And then you might ask them to um, provide an example of what they learned and then you might ask them to answer a question about something that you talked about in class and that would be a great exit ticket for for your class using Google Forms that might be something nice to do there are a bunch of um, add-ons that you can get that will help grade your forms for you and also there's some things within Google Forms itself but I made a note to tell you guys to caution you that although it sounds great right it sounds awesome that Google Forms will grade your quizzes for you. The problem is it can only grade multiple choice and without going into like pedagogical boring land, right? I'm just going to tell you that you should not always give multiple choice questions as quizzes. Or if you are, or if you do, maybe this year is the year to think about giving assessments that, you, that aren't 
objective in that way. And one of the things that I've heard that I really like is if you are giving assessments that the kids can Google the answers, then you're probably giving the wrong assessments. That's really good advice. So not to bore you guys to death, but Google Forms will grade your quizzes. We intentionally are not talking about that. We're not necessarily encouraging it. I mean, we're, if we're not encouraging. I don't know. We're just not talking about it. Right. If you're desperate for us to do a podcast episode on it, reach out to us on Twitter and maybe I can convince Lacey. But I mean, there's a lot of resources out there to help you guide you through um, Google quizzes. Yeah. All right. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> okay. Also, you can also use Google Forms as a lock on Digital Breakout, which is awesome. I have seen lots of examples of choose your own adventure stories using Google Forms. So for people who were born in the 80s, maybe 70s, 90s, like, you know, born around my age, I remember getting books where it's like you turn to the page and it says, well, do you want your character to go to the top of the mountain or do you want them to go deep sea diving? And then it would tell you what page to turn to based on what you wanted your character to do. And then you could just flip to the page and then continue the story from there. You can make these out of Google Forms. And there's tons of great examples. And there are. And I know teachers who have had their students create these too. So if you make one for your kids and they sort of connect with this, it's a great thing to have your students doing because then they're demonstrating the understanding that they need in order to do it themselves. Yeah. Um, okay. So... We have lots of really great resources on the website for you guys. Make sure you check them out. Um, we hope you are energized from this nice, beautiful, long summer break that you've had. And we hope that you've gotten some ideas for how you might use Google Forms at the beginning of the year with your students. That's right. And uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah. As always, you can connect with us on Twitter if you have questions or you want to reach out to us or if you really want us to do a Google Quizzes podcast episode. <laughs> I am at Tech and Teaching on Twitter. And I'm uh, Tech Nerd LB. And we're both um, two tech coaches. We are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Enjoy your back to school.